0: Welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudarman, and I'm joined by a man who is the Don Bradman of job creation in the PR industry, Darren Burns.
1: I'm trying to unpack that. <laughs>
0: Did you miss the Don Bradman reference with Donald Trump, Toby? No,
1: I totally Did you catch missed that? it. No, look, back over to you guys. Sorry, yeah, I'm letting it go through to the keeper. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it's a good start.
1: Good <laughs> so start. Okay,
0: so they all met at the united nations i think or some some meeting in the last couple of days scott morrison donald trump another global leader who introduced scott morrison to donald trump and described scott morrison as the don bradley of job <laughs> creation
1: <laughs> no i didn't see that wow and <laughs>
0: donald trump was completely mystified by this i mean as you can imagine because first of all it's cricket and secondly it involves a certain amount of of, of knowledge and intelligence and then this guy, I can't remember who it is, but the guy then said, oh, Don Bradman is like our Babe Ruth. I'm sure, I'm sure
2: Trump would have said, hey, I, I met the Don. He's a great, great guy. He shares my name. Really great guy. One of the best. Just beautiful. Great he person. Beautiful. He voted for me. <laughs> they love us over there.
0: Yeah. So And, and Trump, Trump, yeah, Trump was seemed quite mystified, even, even with the Babe Ruth reference as well. So anyway, that was my, that was my opener. I was going to then introduce Toby as, as the Babe Ruth of corporate comms. <laughs> for
2: media <laughs> companies
0: but let's just move on well what are you are
2: you the Joe DiMaggio of uh, trade trade media I mean what's, where, where do we go with this <laughs> Joe DiMaggio
0: yeah yeah sure why not why not Joe DiMaggio he's uh certainly better known better known in the US let's say but Don Bradman's probably a good place to start because we need to break down the ashes first I think our last podcast was midway through the ashes before the final two tests and in that time, Steve Smith returned to the series and continued to do his uh, his best Don Bradman impersonation, finishing with 774 runs, I think. So Darren, it, it does seem like Steve Smith, I mean, Australia didn't win the Ashes, they retained it and it was down to Steve Smith.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you could definitely say that if you think about um, he missed out on Lords, right? He, he was knock, sort of knocked out and Lords. Didn't didn't bat in the second innings. Australia almost got rolled there, didn't they? Probably with a, you know an hour or two more, they would have been knocked out there easily. And then England carried that momentum over into the next test. It leads and they won quite easily, didn't they? So I, I think that you know he was the big difference.
0: Well, not easily. No, they they won in a. It was crazy. They won.
1: Ben Stokes. Was that the th- second? That was the ben Stokes. Sorry, the third. You're right. Correct. Sorry, the Leeds. third test. What yeah. I mean is, I, I think it showed in the batting in that in that test. I mean they. They didn't, you know, they, they bowled England out for not many at all, did they? But they didn't capitalize on it at all. And I think if, if Smith was in the team, you'd think he would have added a bit more to it. Um, so they lost that test when he was out. Yeah, he, he was a difference. And I think if you look at the stats on the batting, you know, he's, he's double the amount of runs as anybody else, um, double the average. I think the next is obviously Ben Stokes with that major knock at Headingley. Four four one, one he
0: scored, I think, 441 runs. Yeah, and then
1: I think a bit of a surprise packet too was Manus Lavashane, who I know that you liked very much. Averaging over 50, he, he did really well. But I mean, apart from that, they were the only three batsmen that really got anywhere. I, su- I suppose Rory Burns did okay. But yeah, Steve Smith was just outstanding. And it was I think it was a bit of a surprise given his form in the, the World Cup. He looked a bit really out of sorts. And I I saw him bat in uh in Manchester, it looked really, really kind of like he was shanking a lot of the balls, he wasn't really timing them very well. He just looked like he was really struggling. Um, but yeah, he looked like a different player. And just like sometimes it was he was playing with the bowling, wasn't he? He just looked like playing the most audacious shots, you know, turning on his back, lying on his back on the ground and trying to play shots off the ground. And just, he was just playing with the bowling. And it was like, he was in this total bubble in this weird kind of Steve Smith mannerism, you know. Um, but yeah, quite a freak.
0: Yeah, it's- minus Labashain, another great stat, became the fourth man to reach 50 in his first four Ashes innings. Quite, pretty impressive, given that he came in as concussion sub. Yeah. Um, and then hit 450s, finished with 353 runs. Toby, a um, quite an encouraging win for England in the final test which helped them square the series which I think was probably a fair reflection but would you say you're still disappointed with their performance at home?
2: Yeah, I think so and I think just, just back one step back to Steve Smith who was really obviously the difference in the batting. I'd never seen him bat live I was at Old Trafford for the, for the second day and it was still very cold and Jofra Archer was still wearing four jumpers and um, I'd never seen how twitchy he is he's admonishing himself even after he's played a delightful Caribbean style cover drive Uh, he's talking to himself all the time you know it was just a high energy performance and I think England's strategy of trying to leave him in his bubble and not even rise to the silliness which they would consider it to be sort of gamesmanship almost completely backfired and so I think that's one of the key uh, failings, I think that that they haven't really properly worked out how to get Steve Smith out. I mean, he, they got him out eventually at the Oval after a ton of runs, but overall, I think that was one of the key um, issues that they really could, couldn't couldn't solve. I think the batting looked pretty um, flimsy. I think Joe Denny probably rescued his England career in the second two tests, but really, it's that old age problem again. Who's opening the batting? A brute coming in at three, you're two, you're two down for twenty, twenty-five, thirty runs. In every innings, it's too much stress on the on the rest of the order. So batting was disappointing. Uh, some obviously Ben Stokes innings apart, um, and the bowling I think without Jimmy Anderson, the the focal point really was Stuart Broad, who was excellent all all series I think, and he was well backed up part of the time by Joffrey Archer. I think Archer was probably knackered by that point. So I guess Curate's Egg good in parts, uh, but I think probably uh, could have done better uh, given it was a home series.
0: I don't think there were any any real surprises apart from um, Darren, as you said, Steve Smith's impressive performance. I mean, this it kind of bore out what we've seen from certainly from England in terms of their batting. I mean, neither, neither team batted very well, which is also kind of in keeping with their recent test test series. Joe Denley, you mentioned just quickly on Joe Denley, that was a classic end of season innings to get into the touring squad. We can talk about the touring squad later on, Darren.
1: Tell us about David Warner's horrific summer World Cup. He, he, you know, he sort of scraped his way to, you know, second highest run score didn't he, behind Rohit Sharma? Um, he looked good, but not the same David Warner, was he? I mean, he he, he wasn't be- belligerent. He wasn't belting the attacks around. He was sort of accumulating and just under a run a run a ball. Um, he looked like a man on a mission. And I thought, you know, it, it seemed to me that, and obviously that he would bring that kind of that that fire and that and that form into into the ashes, you know who knows if he would have done really well, but, you know, averaging five or six, you know, nobody thought he would do that badly, you know. Uh, I think it was, a, it was a big, big, big problem for Australia at the top of the order. They were way worse than England. The, op- the opening pair were atrocious. I think they averaged, what, nine or ten, maybe less.
0: Yeah, um, 8.5
1: through the series. It's unbelievable, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. It's, it's the lowest since, was it 1905 Look at, look at you, stats man. <laughs> Ripping them out today, are yeah. not you? Well, I've got the um,
1: here. Yeah, I yeah, think but... that I think it was pretty, pretty, pretty crappy, and I think they made a few mistakes by ditching out Usman Kawaja. I mean, I would have preferred to see Usman Kawaja opening with David Warner. I think you stick with David Warner given his, you know, given his form and given his background, you stick with him for a series. Um, they tried a lot of different things at the opening at the top; it didn't really work. Um, like I said, Manas Slaboshayn was a real, you know, a real good find. You know, he aver- he averages not many in first-class cricket. I think he averages high twenties but they like the look of him. You know, he's a field pick and he did pretty well. I mean, good on to Justin Langer. But yeah, Smith was the guy who stood up, wasn't he? And I, I thought Wade did okay too. I thought Wade's duel with, with Archer was quite a good duel in the last test. You know, it was quite belligerent. I think they, they played together in a, the big bash for Tasmania. So they were sort of going at each other a little bit. He was, was quite impressive.
0: Yeah, Good century for Wade in the final test. I thought Archer actually came back quite well at the Oval. He was
1: he was definitely off-color. He was up and down. And some of the commentators were talking about it. Old traffic. They were sort of comparing Pat Cummins to Jofra Archer, right? Whereas Pat Cummins' speeds are quite consistent. Uh, and actually, Pat Cummins had played every test and he was actually getting faster at, uh, at, at Lords, I believe. I think he was bowling at one spell up around 88, 90 miles an hour at one spell. And I think Jofra seems to go sometimes bowl at 82, 83, then he can bowl up to 96. So it, it's quite a a broad canvas that he bowls along. Um, And if he can bowl consistently at that 90 plus, it seems to be much more of a dangerous weapon for England. But when he gets down to the lower 80s, it doesn't seem as potent, does he?
0: No, it's still, um, you'd have to say he had a a tremendous kind of, first series in test cricket wouldn't you say Toby I mean a real find for
1: yeah
2: the team. I mean he's he, you know looking at the focal point obviously lacking Jimmy Anderson was a big loss and I think that's been masked to, to some extent by Jofra Archer's explosion onto the scene and he's definitely justified his selection and there are some question marks I remember we talked about this a few months ago before the series you know he's been fast-tracked there are other bowlers that were a bit miffed about missing out and I think he's definitely put his first name on on the team sheet Um, I think just a quick word on on Warner and Broad I guess that was one of the big sort of The bunny battles of the, of the series. And I think just we were, I was watching Warner at the Oval. You know, he only really knows how to combat his lack of form in one way. And that's come out even harder. And I think he was going harder at the ball. He was in one day mode. He was really trying to force his way out of this kind of funk that he found himself in. And, and obviously you kind of need to change and go back into yourself and softer hands and all the rest of it. And that's just not how he plays. So I think. He's just back to the drawing board, but I just wonder because between the the, the, the three players, that, um, i don't, sorry to go back to sandpaper just very briefly, but you know it was a big contextual issue at the start of the series. I think Steve Smith has definitely won over, you know, a large proportion of you know I was I was watching you know, a two when he got 200 at Old Trafford. I'd say 85 of the of, of everyone was on their feet at that point, point. Um, and he's definitely won people round. I think Warner less so. He seems to publicly have held handled it quite well. With a wry smile when he gets sent, uh, you know, uh, sent he back was opening, to the
0: Harch, opening out his pockets at one point. Yeah, saw.
2: I like the way he's dealt with it, but I think it, I don't know if it's actually affected his form, and he's just sort of covering up the cracks. I don't know if that's fair to say, but he well, seemed I, to be affected.
0: I, I'm guessing you were not one of the people that stood up
1: for Steve Smith at Old Trafford.
2: Uh, I applauded politely, but my sandwiches were in my lap, so I couldn't stand up. So carry the sandwiches. Yeah.
1: yeah, but I, I thought we, we we haven't really talked about Stuart Broad, and I think he was very impressive, wasn't he, against the left-handers all series. Um, that around the wicket line was super impressive. And I mean, that was, he really stood up in when Jimmy Anderson was out.
0: Proved some people wrong, maybe, as well.
1: He seems to have a lot left in the tank.
0: A couple of stats, a few more stats, actually. So Steve Smith scored more boundaries than Warner managed runs.
1: Not surprising. Uh,
0: in this series, he scored 97 boundaries. Warner scored 95 runs. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Uh, Pat Cummins with 29 wickets, the most by an Australian seamer in England since Glenn McGrath, who took 32 in 2001. Yeah. He was brilliant.
2: He's an absolute thoroughbred. And in, as, he, as Darren said, he got faster and faster. His fitness levels are unbelievable and definitely prove why he's the premier test bowler. You know, He always was the go-to man if we want to make a breakthrough. Um, and I just thought he steamed in You know, and is a class, a class act, class above probably everyone else into to the bowling unit.
1: Yeah, just his consistency, I think, across all five matches was... Really, impressive. and he's Australia's sweetheart right now. Every mother or father wants wants Pat comes to marry their daughter. It's just like the biggest discussion going on. I mean, he's just the sort of sweetheart. He's a nice guy. You know, he's good looking, works hard. He's a sort of new Australian cricketer.
0: Yeah, or maybe even
1: marry their son. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps that's what I said. Sons yeah. or daughters. Um,
0: yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. Seven for thirty-five. That was Stuart Broad against David Warner. So that was really impressive. And then the other stat, which really surprised me, this was the first drawn Asher series since 1972. Yeah.
1: Doesn't really happen, does it?
0: Which, um, <coughs> yeah, crazy to think. It. it just doesn't Yeah, Where was now. the
2: 72 series played, Statman?
0: Uh, it was
1: on England, English think, well. yeah. uh. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Well done, stats. <laughs> stats. Yeah. Good
0: try. Good try. <laughs> so, okay. So that's... Anyone, anything else me, Asher, does anyone else want to... I mean, we could go through... Which, play, which players disappointed you from both teams, but I feel like we'll be here quite a long time. But there were some big names that really failed to deliver. Um, and Toby, I think we've already seen Johnny Besto is a casualty of his performance in the Ashes.
2: He is, and that's. I guess we're sort of segueing gently into, into sort of squad news, but off the back of the Ashes, I think young Johnny Bairstow uh has been asked to reset by uh, ed smith uh, england selector or chief selector i guess that's nice pr speak for take a break mate <laughs> yeah, like, uh, who's
1: advising him on this i think he also clarified that he was dropped not rested it was it hilarious right i'm clarifying that he's yeah, actually dropped he he's he not been clear. rested it's like Yeah, Yeah, he was poor, and I
2: think he was a a victim of the snakes and ladders in the England Middle Order, I think Joss Butler as well, apart from the Oval. Also disappointed, you know, he, he hasn't really scored that many runs in, at test level. He hasn't got that weight of runs that you'd expect to sort of have a safe spot. But Bairstow has paid the price already for the New Zealand tour. Um, and I think there's a sense that, you know, he insisted on being the keeper and a, spe- you know, a batsman. He's going to have to fight his way back into the side as a specialist batsman. And I think his days with the gloves are probably over. And I think he's been quite outspoken in terms of when he's been left out of the side or there's Imaginary dark forces trying to force him out of the team, and, and he sort of builds.
1: But it seems he's right.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. He kind of has to have these imaginary foes to sort of get himself pumped up. And I think it sounds a little bit high energy for the current England setup. I think, um, it, you know, you just need a bit of time out and take a break, mate. I think that's basically the line. <laughs> Do we think
0: the England setup is going to become more high energy simply by the subtraction?
2: trevor bayless (laughs) someone very unkindly said that he is a tennis ball on a stick with a floppy hat over it um (laughs) that that shows up at all the matches and doesn't do much yeah i don't know he gave himself five out of ten which is pretty harsh actually Uh, but but i like his candor
0: yeah i can't imagine ravi shastri ever giving himself five out of ten for like anything 15 out of 10 for everything for you know going to breakfast that was that was a yeah, tremendous performance, Darren. Anyone you wanted to pick out in the uh, Australian team for for apart from David? I mean,
1: he's the David Warner was the big disappointment, I guess. I Don't know if there's anyone else. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the bowling group did pretty well. Um, you know, I think everyone was surprised that Mitchell Stark only got one hit out. I I think that was a bit surprising, especially in uh, the last test. You, you thought they might bring him back in and give him a real go at the bowling. I mean, if you're an England batsman, you're probably much more scared of Mitchell Stark than you are of Peter Siddle. Um, so, you know, bringing, unleashing that was a bit surprising, I suppose. Um, after his form in the World Cup especially, I thought, you know, he would have been great to bring back to that last test and give it everything he can. Um, but that's about it. I mean, I think the batting, as we've talked about, has been disappointing on both sides. We talked about the opening partnership for Australia was disappointing. Um, I think Travis Head was disappointing. He was dropped, although I believe he'll be brought back for the for the Australian summer. That
0: was a surprise. I thought he did well. Yeah, and I think
1: Kawaja, they sort of threw him away quite early as well. So I, I think they're just... St- they just have no idea what they're doing with that, o- with that order at the moment. I think the only two locks really are Labashain and Smith at the moment. I'm guessing they'll give water a wider berth and I- give me another series at least. But uh, yeah, they- they're really in flux at the moment, that top order of Australia. But the bowling unit is doing really well. I must say
2: Question for you both Laurie Question on this batting issue I think um, one of the things I noticed is That that the quality of first class batting Has probably never been poorer At the moment And I think is that a symptom of the fact That there are those three competing formats And batsmen are just confused As to whether they're going to stick or twist On one or the other Are we seeing this sort of evolution now Between formats And this is the symptom of that When we've got poor test, test batting lineups
1: I think that's
0: a, it, it's a it's an easy criticism that people make of the game that that batsmen are batting in a T20 style in Test cricket. Um, I think there is some truth to it. I do think that some batsmen do find the adjustment quite hard. I can think of um, Johnny Bersto as as an example, actually, of someone who you know batted really well in the World Cup and then hasn't produced in Test cricket. Jason Roy, another really good example of that, I think, just couldn't adapt his game to, to Test cricket. Uh, and in India, you look at someone like Ajinkya Rahane, who his batting just seemed to change completely after he got into the T20 team. So I think for the likes of Kohli and Smith it's and so on, it's less of an issue. They're good enough to bat in all formats. I don't know. I just I always feel like it's a little bit of a cop out to just say, well, you know, t- T20 is the culprit for for poor batting. I don't know. Darren?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think it, it is. The, it definitely is that. And I think you can say you can point a finger and say it's all about that. But I think it's also the pitches. I think the pitches are more result-oriented. I think bowlers are maybe, you know, bowling better than they've bowled for a while. Yeah, but I think we're going to have more and more people turning off test cricket. That's definitely a fact, and we see a lot of people doing that already, right? Just going to play white ball and franchise cricket. So, yeah, it's a myriad of issues. But I, then you see someone like Rory Burns, right? he kind of old-school, you know, ugly technique, scores ugly runs, It gets in there and, you know, averages 40 for the series, and it was a great find. So, there's still some of them around, but I think what's becoming clear is that there's a huge gulf between Test Match cricket and white ball cricket. I think you see Stuart Broad, right? Stuart Broad was not involved in the one-day cricket for England or the white ball cricket, and he was you know, really pumped up and ready to go in the ashes. Steve Smith used the World Cup almost like a warm-up for the Test Match series, I think. So those guys that do well in the Test series are becoming more and more thoroughbred kind of specialist people, I think. I think it's hard to do both.
0: Yeah, and an interesting point there. So, Another person like that, obviously, is, is Cheteshwar Pujara for India, right? Doesn't play any limited overs cricket. Player of the series against uh, Australia. The problem is those players just don't make as much money and they're less celebrated and they don't get the sponsorship deals. And I do think that creates this situation where the test team, I don't know if it's like subconsciously, they start picking white ball players because they're in the media more. You know, someone like Jason Roy and we were probably all guilty of it as well. We were all like, oh, yeah, Jason Roy, pick him for the Give test team. Give him a team. go. Yeah. yeah and then, then you look at it and you're like, actually, Jason Roy shouldn't be anywhere near the test team. Rohit Sharma has been recalled for the Indian test squad as well, right? Okay, he's a very talented player. He's never produced for the Indian test team. So you kind of think, why is that happening? It's really because he's in the one-day team. He's in the limited of his teams. You know, he's on all the social medias. He's on the Instagrams. He's in. He's in the ads. All that kind of stuff. So I do think it creates this momentum around limited overs cricket. Kind of
1: box office, right? If you have those guys there, people will watch it. You know, almost. But I, yeah, it's a problem. It is an
0: issue. I think I was going to ask. No, did either of you watch the video of um, Sachin Tendulkar uh, breaking down Steve Smith's batting?
1: It was fantastic. It was filmed on a on an iPhone or something in somebody's somebody's. You know warrior in their in their apartment or something in in Mumbai, I think.
0: Not even sure it was an iPhone, but um, <laughs> it was yeah, definitely the, not the most professional video, but really insightful. Actually, I'd, I'd encourage any listener to watch it. Uh, not hard to find. Really breaking down how Steve Smith adjusted to Joffrey Archer's short pitch bowling, why he got hit in the first place, and how he made some adjustments that stopped him being threatened by short pitch bowling for the remainder of the series. Yeah.
1: Which he didn't, right? I mean, after Lords, he he seemed fine, like he he was really like unflustered. So I think, and and Tendulkar breaks this down. Yeah, and, he does.
0: Yeah, very very clever, and definitely worth a yeah, watch. Yeah, he talks
1: about this setup, and he actually does it. He actually he actually imitates the setup that Steve Smith had before when he was getting hit by Archer, then then the setup after Archer.
0: Does a very good Steve Smith imitation, Tendulkar, and um, the video is also notable notable because it's the first time um, I've seen Tendulkar on screen for a long time where he isn't
1: eating yeah i think the guest probably asked him to do the video before he ate maybe that was part yeah, of his dinner it is or something a, it's
0: like a social occasion isn't it it obviously
1: is a social occasion yeah
0: yeah so food was
1: involved yeah answer the question first then we'll give you the food after
0: <laughs> it's singing a, it's for his supper system it's, it's much like his ambassadorial role at mumbai indians all right okay um england squad any other surprises toby
2: Uh, The the one that's been selected for New Zealand or the
0: yeah so that's the one they've announced right so they announced the contracts and Johnny Best has got a test contract but he's been left out of the the squad yeah I don't really understand I
2: guess that's more because they don't want to completely alienate him I think reset slash rest slash take a break mate you know whatever it is. Um, he just needs to get his head together, or maybe his technique actually at test level. But I think the, the England, um, well, they, they have a tour to, so I'll reset the tour to New Zealand, there's two tests torn, and, and I think there's five T20s, um, coming up, uh, pretty soon actually. And so looking through the, uh, Joe Root remains as captain, there were some murmurings, I think, going into the Oval, but maybe he was sort of on a sort of, guillotine scenario for his head but he seems to have put those to bed I think there's been some interesting additions so Zach Crawley from Kent And Saqib Mahmood, a sort of Lancashire speedster, has been included, uh, along with Matt Parkinson, who's a sort of wily spinner. And then Dominic Sibley, I think, is the most interesting addition. in Warwickshire, he's far and away outscored everyone in the county championship. I think he's got uh, 300 runs more than anyone else uh, in Division 1 and scored over 1,000 runs. So he's earned his place, I think, just through the weight of runs. And so maybe he will be the answer to partner Burns because I think Denley's kept his place but they just don't know what to do with him whether he's a, f- a three maybe with Root dropping down to four uh, and then there's no other surprises really in the, in the test squad and in the T20s there's quite a few new names um, such as Tom Banton from Somerset uh, Pat Brown from Worcestershire who I'll, I'll come back to later maybe towards the end of the, of the podcast and then Chris Jordan mm, who's We're back back oh, back in favour yeah, yeah. surprise uh, yeah Chris Jordan's back and James Vince as well who hasn't convinced uh, so far but he's got another go Cover,
1: cover drive Vince <laughs> Lovely cover driver
2: A few names back again uh, Denley's also featured in the T20 But I think with the feature of these selections I think Sibley is a classic He's earned his, he's earned his county spurs and he deserves a go. He's probably going to be more on that old-fashioned mould along with Burns, which is what you want. But they're looking at that white ball um, form with Saqib, I think, and Zach Crawley to a lesser extent. So there's still some question marks around whether they will make the grade. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting selection, I think.
0: Are, um, are Zach Crawley and Saqib Mahmoud related to other Crawleys and Mahmuds that
2: have played for England. I thought that as well. Creepy Crawley, aka John Crawley. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think so. It's the, it's the short answer.
0: I d- is I don't think Saki Mahmud is related to S- Sajid Mahmud either. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I've done some very basic research. But that's that's yeah.
2: it's pure coincidence. But yes, listeners can let us know.
0: Yeah, you can, you can get three currents who are all related to another current. But yeah, okay, all right, and contenders for England coach. Where are we at?
1: Just go back to the test squad. Why aren't they bringing folks? I thought he was, you know, touted as being the keeper. So. Yeah, I
2: didn't mention him because I think because of the Bairstow issue, I think he'll come in as cover and whether Josh Butler steps in as the, as the primary keeper I think is to be decided. But yeah, I apparently
1: think... Butler is going to keep.
2: I was reading. Oh really?
1: Okay, so maybe folk, folks back up. Which is a bit of a surprise.
0: I think with Ollie Pope and Dominic Sibley these two guys are really the, the big hopes for England's batting. They need an extended run you would think and I, I kind of hope they come good because I'm not sure I'm not sure who else there is
1: this is also not part of the test championship right this tour which is strange it's not I don't understand so, that neither do I, so I don't understand why it's not and also know.
2: why only two tests because you know England New Zealand is a you know is a pretty big big deal I think anyway to tour New Zealand it should at least have three
0: is it because New Zealand's test grounds maybe have not m- met the requirements for the
1: World Test Championship <laughs> I doubt it. Can't be. And they're playing five T20 internationals, which seems a lot of T20s, right? Yeah. I guess it w- Seems a bit odd. You know, the, the World Cup in Australia is next year, I suppose. So it kind of makes sense. Well, I
0: it, yeah. I mean, India have just embarked on this run of... They're playing 25 T20s or something uh, over the next... Uh, before the, the, the World T20 in, um, in Australia. So yeah, there is a was a lot going on. Oh, just one one other quick question. You did mention it. Um, Joe Root's captaincy was didn't seem outstanding. Let's say. Uh, in the Ashes seem to affect his batting as well. Is there much talk about him being replaced?
2: I think there was a, There was at the start of the Oval match. I think he's had a much better game to put that to bed and obviously take him into the tour. I think he probably could be accused of being quite passive in the field when you probably looked at his counterpart, who, by the way, used DRS pretty appallingly. Um, but his captaincy we'll, we'll was... We'll get to that later. ...was... Uh, I have to say there's some, you know, his bowl, his rotation of the bowling. You know, let's change ends, give something another go. He kept he kept Archer on for too long, uh, didn't change Broad around enough, so there wasn't much imagination. So on the captaincy side, there were there were some murmurings, but then you look at who else is in there. Josh Butler won't can't really keep his place down, and is Ben Stokes too overburdened being the all-action man, all rounder, and captain? He could have a Botham scenario on on your hand. So I think it's probably worked out best for everyone.
0: Shouldn't Stuart Broad be captain? Isn't it obvious? I don't know why cricket teams are so unwilling to make bowlers captains.
2: He's captained the one-day side, I'm pretty sure, but not the right. test. He right.
0: But it's just, I don't understand why he's never considered for the test team. I mean, it's even less likely in Australia. Australia haven't had a bowler captain their test team since, Darren? Ever? I don't know.
1: It's been a long, long I'm time. I'm trying to think. To Probably Richie, Richie Beno, was an all-rounder. Probably not before that. Yeah, you're going b- before Kim Hughes... No, yeah. you know, I'm saying Richie Benner was an all-rounder, a bowling, uh, well, a bowling all-rounder. Yeah, just, I was I wondering the
0: f- if there was someone after Richie Benner. I can't who, yeah, think of one.
1: B- I mean, maybe there was, but anyway.
0: Yeah, but, but my point is, I, I feel like Stuart Broad could could do a job there, even if it's only for a year.
1: Well, Rory Burns, I
2: think if he can cement his place and last into next summer, I think he'll probably be the next cab off the rank. So if he can really f- fill in properly, I think he may be a good shout. Does in the he next, captain to, in his county side? His- uh no, I don't think he does consistently, but I think you want someone that's going to be like ballast and someone sensible and I think Rory does
1: the job.
0: I think batsmen are just considered smarter than bowlers. He doesn't have
1: a very sensible haircut though, I must say. Peaky Blinder. You know, peaky Blinder, yeah. Absolutely. I'm just jealous.
0: <laughs> yeah. So another batsman. You let you yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, I'm not convinced about the merits of all these batsmen um captaining their teams. Let's talk about coaches, shall we? Um, England are going to be looking for a new test coach and, and indeed a limited overs coach. Is that correct? From October? Or are they going to split the roles? There's some talk about that. Well, I
1: think the King of Spain has said, Ashley Giles has said that they want to have one head coach, but that they might bring in people for different series, right? Um, in white ball, potentially. Yeah, I,
0: don't, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um,
1: Who are the contenders? Tobes, what do you think? Do you want to go first? Well, let me
2: do the runners and riders here. It's Chris Silverwood on the outside lane with Graham Thorpe looking pretty good on the inside. And Alex Stewart coming up fast on the outside lane again with Otis Gibson a big shout from the outside. Mickey Arthur Jason Gillespie old Dizzy in the mix. So, yeah, you've got a few people. Um, My favourite, I'd love to see... Jason Gillespie, have a go. I think him or Stephen Fleming would be brilliant. Yeah,
0: he's got to be odds-on favourite, you'd say. Dizzy Gillespie, he's coached in England, knows a lot of England players. Really good reputation from Australia as well. Is he going to take the job, Darren?
1: Uh, I think if he's offered the job, he'll take it. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think he definitely would take it. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't. He's um, well.
0: You hear a lot from these coaches about how you know they they've, they've especially if you're an ex-player. You finally you're with your families, and then suddenly you're being asked to coach all around the world, right? I guess that's the thing that comes up again and again. Yeah,
1: yeah it depends where his head's at with that. But I mean, he was a contender, wasn't he, for Australia last time, and also for England last last time round. So he's definitely going to be up there. Do they want to go with a local coach? Do they want to go with a Collingwood or a Thorpe or a? I don't know because if
2: you look at the the hundred, there are very few English coaches. Around for that, I mean, they
0: should get a non-playing icon. That's what they need. For the, <laughs> uh,
2: sh- I think. Look, Graham Thorpe and Silverwood have been around the coaching setup as the Bayless era has come to an end. So they they would be the safe the safe bet. But I just think that the, the test setup in particular needs some fresh air after four or five years of Trevor.
1: Are you saying Andrew Flintoff? Oh god, no,
2: no! After his singing performance, let's leave it at that. Exactly. You know, Otis Gibson kind of fell out with South Africa at the end of his tenure. Mickey Arthur is he too long in the tooth? There's been other. I think Stephen Fleming would be a nice wild card. He'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah, he's good. Stephen Fleming would
2: be good.
0: Otis Gibson did a very good job as I think he was England's bowling coach, wasn't he, for a while? And I think he did a good job. Yeah. What about Mike Hesson,
1: the former New Zealand coach? I mean, he's he's great. Is Mike (laughs) Hesson? Is he, he's, I know he's got a gig in the IPL, but I don't think he's got a national gig right now. He's a really good coach, my guess. Maybe he can coach them on the Tour of New Zealand anyway. Have a little yeah, stint I think there, maybe.
0: The, the concern about England's English coaches is that there aren't any contenders who are experienced enough for the job. Yeah. Which I think is probably true. Uh, and there are some, some overseas contenders. Yeah, Gary Kirsten's name was
1: being thrown around for a while, wasn't Yes, it? I saw that. Yeah.
0: He hasn't coached an international team For a while, is that right? He's been doing the IPL.
2: It kind of feels like the Premier League these days, doesn't it? It doesn't really matter about your nationality. I think it's quite, people are on relatively short-term contracts and so they're happy to give it a go for three years and and people are less worried about the nationality thing, I think, these days.
0: I would definitely support Mickey Arthur. I can't see him getting the job, though, somehow. Um, But I would definitely support him. So what are we saying? He's always fun. What are we saying? Jason Gillespie. I think. I mean, I think he'd be the best pick I'm, if he would. If, if we think he's gonna, he he would accept it. Not being quite as good at
2: Sussex as he has at Yorkshire, that's the only blemish. But I think you're. I think you're right.
1: For Darren. I go left field. I don't know why they wouldn't go potentially for a Chris Silverwood. Maybe right. You don't think so?
2: I don't actually know, uh, Toby. <laughs> I think it would be.
1: Uh,
2: I don't know. I mean, look, he's, he's. Does he have enough kudos? No. I mean, look, I think that would be a safe bet if he went for Silverwood. He's obviously been a pace bowling coach. And he's probably the leading candidate amongst Bayliss's staff right now. Graham Thorpe, I think, and him are the two leading insiders. And it depends whether the ECB and Giles want to shape the tree or they're feeling a little bit conservative. And I think if they're feeling conservative, we'll see a dream ticket, a Silverwood Thorpe dream ticket.
0: (coughs) Okay, we're going to, I think, just run through quotes, Muppets, uh, maybe just quickly mention India's series. Uh, against West Indies and South Africa, if that's good with everyone, yeah. Okay, cool. So India beat the West Indies two 0 I think the last podcast we did, they they were up one nil. They finished the West Indies off, won the second test Pfft, comfortably. Tanimo Vihari scored his first Test century. Jasprit Bumrah took six wickets, which means he's now third ranked in the world after twelve tests. He's got eight hundred and thirty five bowling points, making him giving him the second highest. Of any Indian pace bowler ever, again, after just 12 tests, he's taken 62 wickets. And all of these test matches, of course, are outside the subcontinent. Uh, India are playing some 2020s against South Africa. They won one. They lost one. One was washed out. The most newsworthy was Virat Kohli's demerit points for inappropriate contact. You mean the shoulder charge? That's correct. I think it's called (laughs) inappropriate
1: contact, which...
0: I mean inappropriate contact sounds a lot more exciting than a <laughs> charge. It's very very vague, worryingly oh, vague, you're, isn't you're
1: it? So inappropriate you carry a multitude it could. of sins. That's it right. Could. It was a glance, it wasn't even a charge. Yeah. Did you see it?
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I, I watched it
1: yeah. I watched the replay of it. But I mean, you know, he's been told to get out of people's way, right? So get out of the way. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's he like he I mean he
0: was wrong. He was wrong, but it wasn't like he it wasn't like a Gautam Gambia style of you know. <laughs> you know. Knocking, knocking a player over just for the fun of it. Or a Habajan
1: slap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or a Habajan slap. A good performance by South Africa, actually, winning the third T20 with this kind of new experimental team. A couple of youngsters from their T20 league. I can't pronounce its name. Does anyone want to try the South African T20 league? Uh, I don't even remember the what it's called. The Sea, something like that. Yeah, <clears throat> well done. A couple of youngsters. Bjorn Town who's a, a slow great left-arm bowler, bowled very well. And Buren Hendricks, mm. left-arm fast bowler, also bowled very, very well, which I think is good news for South Africa.
1: Yeah, so and I so think it. Quentin de Kock has taken over as national captain and he's had a really good series. I mean, he scored, I think, 50s in both uh, innings, so he's looking quite good. Leading from the front.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it seems like it's good for him, becoming captain. So I hope, I hope he can continue with that. He'll have, he'll have tougher challenges, no doubt. All right, so that's India. And really not, not a lot else to say the only other news out of india was the the, the kind of premature news that ms Dhoni was retiring
1: <laughs> wasn't that not a virat kohli tweet or something
0: yeah i don't know if virat kohli was trying to to move things along a little <laughs> bit with a, with, a, with a with a lol sort of the the pr leak yeah the uh, the the, the well timed tweet just randomly paying tribute to MS Dhoni's career.
1: Yeah, which is very strange indeed to explain that.
0: Yeah, and then, and then he had to clarify the next day in a press conference and, and accuse the media of reading too much. That's <laughs> right. Obviously accuse the
1: media. It's
0: all the media's fault. Quotes and Muppets. Who's got some quotes? Anyone? Yeah,
2: I have a couple. Uh, I guess you could probably blend... Well, let me do this one first. It's a bit shorter. And then the second one is kind of a Muppet and a quote. So this one was a quite nice one from, from Mitch Marsh, actually, which was his press conference. And I didn't know that he was so un, uh, unpopular in Australia. And he seems such a likable guy. He's a Marsh. What's wrong with him? Darren, why, why do people are on his back? What's wrong? I think, with him? I think
1: it's nothing to do with Mitchell Marsh. And I think it's un- unfortunate when he goes at the bat and people boo in Australia sometimes. I think what they, they feel is that the Marsh brothers have you know, too much of a, a good run. They they have a long extended go in the team. They they never really perform as much as they should, and they keep people out of the team. But I think it's it's a horrible way to boo a player in your own team. It's not his choice to to play for Australia, right? He's um, you know, he's picked to play, and they give him a chance. And uh, yeah, I think he deals with it quite well, actually. Well, I thought he bowled
2: beautifully at uh, at the Oval, and I, in his kind of valedictory um, press conference, he just said, my, "My body puts on weight easily, and my mum likes to feed me." I haven't had any roasts in the past few months, so he's putting chick- chickens across Australia at ease in that press conference, which I like.
0: So, just to um, he also said, I don't know if this was in the same press conference, but he said, "Yeah, most of Australia hate me."
2: Yeah, really um, sad.
0: Really sad. So, when I went to Australia earlier this year, I was—I think I may have mentioned this to you, Darren. That there were there were a couple of topics on which I kind of could get universal agreement in Sydney. Uh, one was that sydney was better than melbourne Uh, the other was um sort of yeah this universal condemnation for the marsh brothers and i also learned that their nickname is the chemical brothers uh, because of their exploits um in 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 and around perth's nightlife oh
2: interesting okay okay wasn't aware of boys will be boys
1: yeah
0: yeah so anyway, we po- we couldn't possibly comment
1: on that. Or as they call it in Australia, they're well known on the circuit. <laughs> right? They have a good circuit over there in Perth, I guess. Yeah,
0: it's, it's quite a circuit in Perth. Yeah, apparently. apparently.
1: Um,
2: and then the final, the the sort of the blend of, uh, if I can sort of say Muppet as well, is uh, the newly knighted Sir Geoffrey Boycott, um, who you know delighted his critics by giving them yet more ammunition by saying he didn't give a toss about. Um, sort of campaigners uh, in relation to the suspended sentence he received for uh, allegedly uh, beating up his then girlfriend, but he compounded that uh, error on Radio Four, which is the sort of flagship uh, UK news program and the Today program. He said, "It was 25 years ago, love." Note the use of the word "love" to a female presenter in a French court. She tried to blackmail me. I said no. It's a court case in France where you're guilty. It's one reason I don't vote to remain in Europe. It's, well, you're guilty until you proved innocent. So there's a bit of Brexit from, from Sir Jeff, but uh, yeah, a bit of a Muppet thing to say. It's really. not even
0: true either. You're not guilty until proven innocent.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was, uh,
0: it was kind of unfortunate on many levels. But uh, there you go. Darren, any quotes or Muppets from you?
1: Yeah, I don't really have any quotes. Okay. But I do have a Muppet. Neither do I. Your I.
0: I do, Actually, yes, I've got a couple. Just a Steve Smith one after his uh, double century at Old Trafford. He was asked how he celebrated, and apparently Peter Siddle popped over to Sainsbury's and got me a big bar of dairy milk. <laughs> uh, so it's sort of like the diet of these cricketers. It's, uh, uh, what was it, Knock Off uh, Nando's? Um, yeah. Dairy milk? I would have much preferred to be...
1: In the car at after Leeds with Ben Stokes tearing out to McDonald's, then they go for the drive through at McDonald's or something.
0: Yeah, the drive through at McDonald's or Burger—I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, I mean it's just after quite a few
1: beverages.
0: Yeah, I just—I don't know. I thought these guys were all elite sportsmen, and then I heard, and it was a big bar. It's one of those big bars, apparently, not the little ones. He was—he was very clear about that.
1: <laughs> a big bar.
0: And then I was listening to a podcast, and I think it was—I can't remember who it was—and they'd gone to visit a um, a cricket, an English cricketer. In their room, and it was one of these English cricketers who's really, really serious about their fitness. Oh, the name escapes me; can't remember who. And anyway, he was, he was, he was also going through a, one of these giant Cadbury's like dairy milk bars. Really? So, um, yeah.
1: Or I maybe, maybe that's Steve Smith's sponsor. Maybe he, Yeah, probably. Maybe just sort of thrown in the conversation there, right? Um, probably. Um, but okay, so Steve
0: Smith also is gives me a, a neat segue to my one of my Muppets contenders of the week uh, that is actually steve smith you're a harsh man because i was not impressed with his impersonation of jack leach oh um,
1: you outraged that. it was i was outraged outraged you were outraged <laughs> I, was, you? Yeah, I was yeah didn't you see I them was, having a beer yes. together wearing the same glasses after Strux, the fifth test
0: yeah i did yeah i thought that it's was a great cool photo thing, <laughs> um, yeah i just thought it was odd i mean it wasn't even that i don't mind that so much but it just seemed kind of odd and not particularly funny and, well, wasn't he
2: didn't he claim that it was actually taking that, off like, yeah, Mike Patsy was the or Chris Rogers or something Chris Rogers <laughs>
0: yes and then then they kind of compounded it by saying it was about Chris Rogers which uh, I don't know it's an odd odd individual yeah
1: I think I think the, the Getty photographer said it was about Chris Rogers but everyone everyone knows it wasn't um, ridiculous anybody making a you know, storm at a teacup really
0: yeah that was one Muppet another one um, a bit harsh also Ambithi Raidu You guys may remember he was the Indian number four batsman who was supposed to be the Indian number four batsman at the World Cup until he got dropped for not being three dimensional enough. Came back on Twitter and said he's going to watch the World Cup with 3D glasses. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Then he retired in a kind of fit, retired from all cricket in a kind of fit of peak, Uh, and then de retired from all cricket not long after. So it's been an eventful time for Raidu. So he was one of the Muppets. Um, I think that was it, really, in terms of my Muppets. Any, any from you, Darren?
1: Well, my big one was really, I think, Tim Payne's use of the DRS probably cost Australia the series win. Um, I think he got 12 wrong in a row. Uh, it finally overturned one of the Oval, I think, after 13 attempts. I, mean, I think normally they go about 50-50. So he's well off the mark there, isn't he? And I think he, you know, there was some other occasions where some of the players could have gone for the DRS and they didn't. I think David Warner a couple of times. Um, So yeah, they really, really fluffed that. And he was, I don't know, as the keeper, you'd think he has a pretty good view of LBWs. I mean, I don't know, call me strange, but you'd think he'd be in a pretty good position to sort of give you a, give you a good idea. Uh, Maybe it's too much for him, keeping, captaining, doing the DRS. Maybe it's just a lot of stuff to do, but I think, M. S. Dhoni is quite good at it, right? When he was captaining, captaining and as keeper. So, yeah, very surprising and b- real muppetry. That shout! I think
0: Eng- England are really good at DRS, aren't they? England have kind of consistently been very good at DRS. India have not.
1: I mean, that great. shout in Leeds of Ben Stokes, it pitched about you know two feet outside leg stump was just <laughs> why would you why would you review it? I mean, it's just beggar's belief.
0: Yeah, that was a, a sort of a hope. That was a kind of last
1: hope review, wasn't it?
0: Is he getting a lot of pressure from? From short leg, can can we blame Cameron Bancroft
1: again? Well, I think one of them I saw that, you know, Steve Smith r- ran over to Tim Payne and demanded they review it. And, of course, it was way too high. I think of Josh Hazelwood. It was hitting the guy on the thigh pad, uh, going over the stumps by about a foot, and Steve was carrying on like a pork chop. So I guess they don't have a very good system at the moment.
0: <laughs> no, they don't. Is, um, uh, on that note, is Tim Payne going to remain captain?
1: Yeah, I think he will at the moment. I think, you know, obviously you know I, I don't know if steve smith will be captain it's, it's, it comes up in march i doubt it i think they might just give him a sort of a senior player role and not make him captain that's my gut feeling at the moment who takes over the the captaincy is is, is up for issue obviously there's a lot of discussion around people like pat cummins or or somebody else coming to the team but I, I don't think it's going to be a good move to bring Steve Smith back as like cap- as captain. I could be wrong. Yeah, I just don't know if he's got the temperament for it, to be honest. I
0: agree. I didn't think he was a great captain. We, we all saw what happened. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, guys. Um, and thank you, listeners. Uh, we will be back in the not-too-distant future with more from the cricket world.